Hello, hello, and welcome to the first episode of Going Pro, a podcast in which we discuss how to make a living as a professional photographer by examining the lives, careers, and creative habits of professionals at every level of experience, as well as the creative producers, art directors, and photo editors that hire them. I'm your host, Brad Vassallo. Back in the fall of 2020, I made the difficult decision to leave a very secure but rather soul-sucking job in city government to pursue photography as a career. This show is my excuse to ask the people I respect and admire how they navigated various stages of their own career. In this episode, I talk with Scott Topher. Scott is a commercial photographer and director with an affinity for everything on two wheels. His work is characterized by a grungy aesthetic and story-driven style. Past clients include Mercedes-Benz, Harley-Davidson, Visa, Gibson Guitars, Uber, Converse, Indian Motorcycles, Sperry Topsiders, High Noon Vodka, Red Bull Media House, and many, many others. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Scott Topher. All right, so Scott, welcome. Um, thanks for, for uh, making the time to, to do this uh, kind of impromptu. Um, no, absolutely. It's good to meet you. And, and thanks for, thanks for reaching out about this. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in, in doing just a little bit of preliminary uh, research on, on your history, I, I discovered that you started your career as a microbiologist, interestingly enough. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know, did the relatively typical uh, American educational fast track and uh went went to college for uh biology as a pre-med and went into research afterward and uh yeah had the the typical like after college stable career ahead of me and decided maybe a couple years in and I was only in my early mid-20s when I decided to kind of bail out and pursue photography in more of a professional capacity from what I can tell, I mean, your work is, it's so natural and, and has um, such a story-driven kind of human element to it. Uh, it, it really makes it easy for, for viewers to feel like, myself included, to feel like they're really a part of the moment that you're capturing. Um, so I, I guess I'm, I'm curious, uh, for my own selfish reasons, um, how is it that you go about bringing, bringing that kind of uh, natural human element out in, in your subjects, whether it be, you know, professional talent, um, friends, or just, you know, everyday strangers that you might happen to be shooting. Well, um, I mean, we might get into this in a little bit too, but you know, the reason I have anything resembling a career at this point is because of a couple of personal projects that I did. And I'm a huge, I'm a huge proponent of personal work. Right. Mm -hmm. And as I, kind of got my stride with those projects and people took interest in in having me shoot for them you know the way that I was shooting for myself and that was always more or less about trying to put the camera within the experience and working with people cordially and and trying to more or less set up situations where people are doing things as opposed to directing them on how to do something. And that's, you know, in the advertising industry, that can be really difficult. And it mm -hmm. setting up those shoots for success starts at the very beginning in terms of casting and locations and 
even just trying to get your client or agency or however you're, you know, the situation is like trying to get them to understand um, how the world that we're working in works. For example, like camping, you know, like when, if someone's hiring me to shoot a camping scene, whether it's for an automotive client or a clothing client, you know, I try my best to create a situation where the people, the talent, whether the talent is a, is friends or hired models or a mix of the two, you know, you're always trying to look for a little bit of chemistry with them so that you can kind of set up a, a situation where people can actually work like, Hey, instead of me telling you how to put up this tent, how about you guys figure out how to assemble this tent? Sure. And then we can get, you know, you get some of those natural moments and I can get in there. And then if there's a struggle or if we kind of hit this down zone, we can kind of move on to the next like highlight of what that scene could be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's my big thing is I always try and have some sort of story woven in, whether they client calls for it or not. It's more about me setting up a situation where I can move from, you know, situation A to situation B and make it part of a story. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm curious a little bit more on the, the side of personal work. And I want to come back to, to sort of the um, situations and, and how you kind of work through that, that story component. Um, but kind of going back to the, the personal work piece, back to, to the time when you, you know, didn't necessarily have any, any big name clients um, or no like real resume or portfolio to, to speak of. Um, what was it that you sort of, what was the strategy that you uh, deployed to make it from point A to point B, A being, you know, a full-fledged career in microbiology to B being a professional photographer? Did it, you know, along the lines of personal work and, um, you know, maybe spec shoots, what, what was it that uh, you envisioned for yourself? And, and was there kind of a roadmap that you followed to get there? Sure. I um, So this is, this is going to span a few years, so it might be a little abridged for what it, <laughs> the struggle that it was. Sure. But, you know, in, in 2007, I moved to Boston to go to art school. And I realized I really quickly through that, that I wasn't going to stay in art school. So I dropped out of art school the next year. Um, but in that process, you know, I had a couple instructors that I trusted and I was like, Hey, give me a little bit of feedback. And they're like, look, you know how to use a camera. I don't need to teach you how to use a camera. You need to figure out what you want to photograph and what you're passionate about, because that's going to be the difference between you taking good pictures and getting paid to take good pictures. And so I, uh, I started assisting in 2000, like late 2007 and went from Boston to Portland and then ended up uh, in Los Angeles between 2007 to 2009. And, you know, I was assisting and I was seeing, I was reading blogs and I was going to seminars and I was talking to other photographers about what was working for them. And, you know, I was trying to take pictures that I thought people wanted to see in portfolios. And I did a couple portfolio shows and people said nice pictures, but never hired me for anything. And 
don't know. I just kind of got to this point where it wasn't working. You know, like I was taking decent pictures, but I, it wasn't cohesive. It didn't resemble a portfolio that I think reflected me. Sure. And so at the end of 2009, uh, I basically bought a motorcycle by selling a car and my 5D. And I bought a bunch of, uh, bought a bunch of film and a motorcycle. And the friends that I grew up riding bicycles with had all kind of gone into motorcycles. So we started camping. And I would just take black and white 35 millimeter pictures. And um, I ended up with a year's worth of photographs. And this was in the early days of like Tumblr and blogs and that sort of stuff. So I was, you know, I figured out a way to almost every day put out a photograph. And I would post it with a little caption and just, just a way to put out personal work and to yeah. try and promote it and try and get people to take notice one way or another. And, you know, that sort of worked. And then I was like, Oh, I should make a book because I grew up of the generation where I have a collection of photo books and I love the mid 20th century documentarians. And so I was like, I'm going to make my own photo book and I'm going to publish it myself. And I can only afford to print 50 copies. <laughs> and so this is now towards the end of 2010. So it's been about three years since the art school thing. And, uh, you know, an ad agency bought, bought one of my books and I didn't sell enough of them for, to need to do any big thank you card printing. I just hand wrote a note and I said, Hey, this is huge for me that it's going to be in the doors of this company. Mm -hmm. And so, so thank you, you know, amazing. You've, you've made my year just by, you know, spending 50 bucks on a book. Right. And, uh, and that turned into my first job, you know, that turned into my first, uh, big client shoot. And, you know, so I've, I've always been a, a huge proponent of the personal project because I think it's the best way for someone to take pictures of things that they're passionate about which translates to people who are doing the hiring because there's, there's definitely a, you can be a technically good photographer very easily. And then I think there's another step that we all need to take to find what we're really passionate about and what we can visually speak to. And I think that's how personal projects really help. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of, um, you know, following that journey, going from, uh, this $50 book that you sold to, to an ad agency to, you know, now making a career out of holding a camera. Uh, how, how was it that you began to evolve your pricing structure for one um, over time to make it so that it was your, your value followed your expertise in, uh, you know, that path to where you are today? Sure. So my, so that first shoot, right? They, they just told me what they could pay me. And for 10 days of shooting, it was more than I'd made the entire year. So I was like, Oh, well, great, whatever. I'll just take whatever you're paying. And, yeah. and honestly, you know, some people would think like I've made it, but that was the, that was one shoot. And so I still assisted for a while. And then I got one shoot the next year. And then 2012, I think I got, I started getting like a handful of projects, but 
you know, right out the bat, you know, people kind of dictated what I could get paid. And then, you know, you'd end up with a couple of situations where someone wants a proper bid and they want an estimate. And at some point I made them not a mistake, but I think I made kind of a rookie move where I asked, you know, an agent to work on a project fee to help, help me develop that, mm-hmm. you know, develop an estimate. Like, I don't know, pay me $4,000 for something. I don't know. Sure. And, and they kind of helped me with that, but it was, it just, it, once you, once I went that route, I realized I lost some of the connection that I'd had because to, to my clients, because I wasn't hitting big money jobs, but I was on a very personal one-on-one basis with somebody. Mm-hmm. So what I would do is, you know, I, I kind of evolved into the like, Hey, like we're cordial. Do you have a budget to support this? You know, and someone would tell me yes or no, and I would figure it out. And we would always try and find a strike of balance. And I've always kept honest with, with people about that. Um, and then I started getting, you know, talked to by bigger agencies. And I had a couple, there was a producer at Leo Burnett in Chicago um, who sat me down and he's like, hey, we're going to hire you for this project. What's your day rate? Like, what's your creative feed day rate? And I kind of looked at him blankly, knowing <laughs> that he was talking something bigger than what I was used to. Like, he was, this was a teaching moment. And I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I could, if I made $5,000 a day, I would be over the moon and feel like I was making up for a ton of lost time in my life or whatever, you know, like, those are my goals. And he's like, okay, cool. Well, you're playing in a bigger pool now. So we're going to double that. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, great. Uh, cool. You know? And so he kind of told me, he's like, he, he gave me that advice where he said, sometimes you need to take what you want to get and then add more to that because someone is going to talk you down. So pricing structure wise, it's always for me, it's always been project to project. I try and feel people out. They'll drop hints on you about, oh, well, it's a tight budget or we have limited resources or unfortunately, this is only for social media. Like there's always an, uh, a phrase where people will let you know what their budget is. Um, so I always ask what it is and I have different structures about going about it, but I always tell people to ask for a little bit more because whether you say $500 a day or $5,000 a day, they're always going someone's always going to try and talk you down a little bit. So what do you think it was with, with that ad agency that, you know, like you said, there's a lot of technically really talented photographers, but there is beyond the relationships, even there's a component to it where, you know, you have to know how to manage people on set. You have to know um, what the client is looking for and how to, to execute on, on their vision as they see it and not just, uh, you know, beyond what you've been able to do in personal work, be able to, to do it in a way that fits their brief. Um, so what was it about your experience up to that point that you think gave him confidence to, to you know, hand you that kind of day rate and, and not to suggest you hadn't earned it, but, um, but what was sure. it that, 
yeah. How, how did you get to that point where, where he felt confident to, to be paying you that amount on a daily basis? Right. And, you know, <laughs> as when he told me that I like my jaw dropped, I was like, what are you talking about? That's funny money, <laughs> you know? Um, but what, what happens is especially, you know, this, this client was kind of drawing on my experience through that personal project. Right. So the client was entering more or less my world. And as a photographer, sometimes you're a button pusher and a technician. And sometimes you're more like a film director on a set where you're creating the experience from essentially nothing. So, and on those jobs, and this, this was one where, for example, we were setting up a road trip and the client based on the East coast didn't know much about West coast and travel routes and what's feasible on a production and what kind of talent you need. So there's a lot of variables that need to be put together. And so this agency knew that they could come to me in and, and not tell me what they were going to do, but then they would ask me, how I would approach something. So I got to kind of create the world that they were shooting in. And they knew that by asking me that they could trust me that I would set them up for success on a shoot. Sure. So I wasn't, I wasn't just getting paid to take the pictures. I was also essentially on the front end helping to build the shoot out from scratch. So, you know, that was a lot of times, you know, we pick our own photographers we pick our own producers a lot of the time so aside from that like i could get the producer going i knew some of the locations so we could direct where the scout needed to go i knew talent that could manage being on a road trip as opposed to being you know taken care of if that makes sense because some you know some shoots you have models and they need to be taken care of and then there's yeah. some shoots there that are more nitty-gritty and People can take care of themselves and they don't need as much support staff. Um, so that's, I think those are the ones where I've made better day rates or when I'm almost doing creative consulting on the front end sure. to help, to help them explain to their client how the shoot's going to run. And then, you know, I create, I created the, the environment, the shooting environment too. Um, whereas yeah. like, you know, if you're a stills photographer on a commercial set, you know, my day rate is significantly smaller because I, I walk into somebody else's world and I, I attack a shot list and I just deliver a hard drive and I walk away and that's it, you know? Yeah. So on some of those bigger ones, you know, people have kind of asked me for my expertise to, to build their environment. Sure. So what, what is the process in sort of designing, um, that, that situation and sort of going back to that, that idea of like building situations that people can naturally move through space in a way that uh, it's not overly, um, you know, it's not overacting. It's not trying to, to make anything that's too sterile, but really making it feel more natural. Um, how do you sort of bridge the gap, go from pre-production and, and creating those those worlds uh, for these products to live in, for this experience to take place that, you know, helps to facilitate um, that more, more natural environment. And, and really from the point of pre-production through post, 
um, take me through through some of that process for for a shoot for you. Sure. So you know when we're looking at a shoot, you know you're trying you're trying to feel people out. Like, and I, I I think I pride myself a little bit on being adaptable and flexible to how different companies and and groups of creatives work. So you try and figure out the parameters you can work within. So sometimes the constraint is budget. Sometimes the constraint is time. Sometimes the constraint is there's one person we need to satisfy and we need to take care of that person's needs first, and then we can be super creative. Um, so that those, those different things happen. So I always try and figure out what parameters can I as a creative individual work within? So that's your first thing. Second thing is locations and casting. You know, what can a client afford to shoot? Like, where can we afford to go? Um, and who are we bringing with us? And what kind of chemistry do they bring to the table? Because sometimes you, you get, you cast off of headshots. Sometimes I get asked, you know, who are some real people from these worlds that you or your friends might know that we can bring in? You know, and if there's anything that requires expertise in a certain field, like you really have to, you really have to bring in someone that understands that world, you know? So we did um, a bunch of work a few years ago for Sperry Topsiders, which is traditionally a boat shoe company. So yeah. we're going to spend, we're going to spend five days on boats and you need talent. One that doesn't get seasick two that's can manage being in weather and still keep a good attitude. So you're, you're always feeling those sorts of things out and who can, who seems like they're up for a good, wild, strenuous time, you know, like we're going to pull sails. We're going to be on the water. The weather might get junky. We're going to have to, you know, um, go swimming in the cold ocean for a few minutes. So those sorts of things, you kind of, you just want to feel those moments out because, if you set your up, you have someone that's beautiful on camera, but can't handle the, the situation that you're putting them in, you, you make for, you can make for some pretty bad pictures and some tense environments on set. So there's things like that, that we try and set up, um, shooting. It's always about trying to keep a lively environment and keep people in a good mood and enjoying themselves. So I spend a lot of time with the talent typically because they're new people I've never met before. And they're very interesting. So we always try and create like a rapport. Um, I don't like to be one of those photographers that just steps on set and then just starts shooting and they don't know anybody. Sure. So I, I like to know the people that I'm working with and at least kind of figure out who's, who's got the right vibe for a certain situation. And, you know, I'm always trying to check in with the creatives um, sometime at the agency level because sometimes they're hands-on and sometimes they're not. So I always try and gauge, you know, how happy they are. What do they want to see? Um, or do they just want me to do my thing and send them selects at the end of the day? Yeah. You know, so that's, that's definitely a huge thing is figuring out the parameters you're within and the expectations that are, you know, put on you from, from your job side. Yeah, no, that's great. And, and so you're clearly sort of in a place now where you've, you've begun to hit your stride. You have a process laid out. You have a number of big name clients um, sort of in your repertoire. I mean, Mercedes-Benz, Harley-Davidson, Visa, Uber, Adidas, Titleist, Nat Geo, um, and many more. 
So what, what does your marketing strategy look like now that you've built out that sort of Rolodex? How are you not only seeking new clients, but stewarding those existing clients, whether it's through print or your online presence or whatever it may be? Sure. Some of these, some of those big name clients, they're one and done. They come in, they ask you to come in and jump on a shoot or it's a production that calls me because sometimes it's me shooting stills on a video set or sometimes it's me at the helm like we talked about before. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're just doing a job and you're getting paid and you walk away. And then a lot of times there's there's clients that you want to hold on to. And so I try and manage those those relationships and and keep in touch with people. Like I, I have a, like a quarterly newsletter that I would send out just to let people know what I was doing. Um, I tried the database thing. I tried paying for the books and the source books and I never got a single job out of any of those. I don't think I have the name and I've, I've never personally been very good at selling myself with one picture. Um, I like to show series and case studies Mm-hmm. of projects I've done because I always, I always talked about that with like, if you reference it to magazines, like I almost, I almost never shot or shoot magazine covers, but I really feel like I do better with magazine features because I can get into details and I can get into telling a story. So that's mm-hmm. one thing that I've, I've struggled with making one photo count more than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always liked to kind of send people those little newsletters because I'll send three or four photographs from a project and give an idea of like what the project was and why I was asked to do it and how we finished it. So I'll do those. Um, I had reps on and off for years. Um, I've worked with a couple of great people, uh, but honestly, I never found that to be a very successful business model. Um, which is too bad, but I've always felt that personally, it's just, it's just me with a camera and a a handful of crew members that are all over the place that I try and work with whenever I can, I don't have a very big operation. So I've found that, you know, if I haven't talked to a creative client of mine in a while, like I'll just shoot him an email see what they're up to, you know, uh, try and share work with them that is relevant to what they're working on and, and keep in touch. Um, I don't have some giant marketing plan, you know, a five-year plan, which I think are things that I should have, but I've always been like, Oh, you know what? I haven't talked to the folks in Germany with Mercedes in a while. Um, maybe I should check in and see what they're working on. And maybe that turns into something in a few months Um, or maybe not, but I think it's always nice just to keep in touch and see what people are focused on. Uh, Yeah. I think it's just trying to remain, to remain friendly and cordial and let people know that you're working, you know, new personal projects, especially like COVID everything died. All the emails were very sad (laughs) and like, (laughs) there's no budget. There's no shoots. We're all worried. We're getting fired. I'm working from my, you know, I'm working from my couch in my pajamas. Like, um, you know, so that's, I, I've always just been better with one-on-one, you know, 
I'll just email that person that I know is a creative decision maker and be like, hey, what are you working on? Anything interesting? And they could say yes or no, but it's always just good to, to stay, in, you know, stay in people's minds. And I think I've, whether I've gotten work out of it or not, I've made contacts and friends with people that I'll have relationships with forever, whether or not we're you know, shooting together. So I think yeah. that's a valuable way to kind of to exist in this industry um, because it's a financial nightmare at times. <laughs> and it's a, you have to be, you know, you have to be used to getting rejected a bunch and you have to, you have to manage those expectations on yourself. So I try and keep a good vibe around. <laughs> I think that's yeah. a good way to go. Yeah. And uh, so I know we're, we're running up on time here. So um, is there, there any other advice that you would, would offer to photographers that are either, you know, just getting started in the industry or, or aspiring to someday try to make a go at, at um, you know, making a career out of photography? Making a career out of photography. I think it, it's, it takes a strong stomach. It takes a lot of flexibility. I think advice-wise, I would just tell people to shoot and put it out there and find something you're really passionate about. You know, there's a reason that like, there's a reason that Sally Mann is, <laughs> has amazing books and is famous. It's because she photographs her family. She photographs these things that are close to her. And that is a career, you know, uh, Danny Clinch is a music aficionado and he's a genius and he photographs musicians better than anyone alive. <laughs> and, <laughs> and there's a reason. And it's because he's, he's a hero, you know, he's a rock star himself. Like he just, you know, you have to find that thing that you love and you have to just run with it because if you're really good at shooting everything, it's hard to kind of like stand out because there's a million of us that are taking pictures and some are getting paid lots, some are getting paid little, some, you know, it's a roller coaster. I think it's, I think it's about if you love it and you love it enough to hate it too, and still keep going, you know, that's, that's the type of attitude you need because it's not all, it's not all roses and or whatever. It's not all easy street. Um, you just have to, you have to love it to keep pushing through the hard time. And that's, I've, I've had killer years where my like, cool, my career's going, I'm never going to slow down. And then the next year is humbling. And so you need to be able to, to manage that. Um, I think always putting out personal work and staying in touch with people is huge. Um, I know some people make money off of Instagram, but I don't know how they do it. I've never, I don't think I've ever made a dime off of Instagram. I've made some good contacts, but I don't think it's ever been a job, you know? Yeah. So, you, you know, trying to, you got to hit up ad agencies because those are the people with the money, you know? So you got to try and try and try and pop into people's uh, spheres so that you can get on their list. Well, I want to be respectful of your time and I know you have to shoot off to the airport, but um, this was awesome. And, and I think there's, plenty more for us to talk about should we want to you know do this a second time around but um yeah uh i is there any other way that people 
you know, people looking to, to find you online, um, how can they do that? Whether it's social media, your website or whatever. Yeah. So my, my Instagram and my website are the same. It's sgtofer.com. Uh, I'm pretty responsive on there. So if you want to shoot me an email, uh, it's sgtofer at Gmail. If you want to hit me up through the website, that's fine. If you want to hit me up through Instagram, that's great. Uh, I'm always happy to answer questions and people trying to get started or anything like that. I'm, I'm pretty open book about that sort of thing. So happy to help if someone has questions on bidding a job or something like that. I'm always, I'm always eager to, to help people get going and I'm happy to talk to you again. Um, I appreciate your time and, and reaching out and, uh, we all have kind of a different path. So I think what you're doing and, and trying to share that's important for people to understand that it's not yeah. one thing, you know, it's not one thing that gets anybody a career. So we all have a different way of going about it. Couldn't agree more. Um, well, it's been a pleasure and uh, maybe we can, can talk offline and see if we can't connect when you're in, in Philly for the next uh, couple of days. Cool. Sounds good, yeah. Brad. I appreciate your time and I hope you have a all good right. rest of your day. All right. You too. Take care, Scott. All right. You too. Bye. All right. See ya. Hey guys, Brad again. Just one more thing before you go. If you want to hear more about my own work and journey as a creative, head to bradvisala.com slash rundown. That's R-U-N-D-O-W-N. Become a subscriber and receive a short email from me every month with stories from behind the lens, recent travels, and digital access to a quarterly catalog of my latest work. It's a light read, easy to sign up, and over 100 like-minded creatives have already joined. So don't miss out. Go to bradvisala.com slash rundown to sign up today.